Hey team, welcome back to the show. Today it is Coach Natalie and I, and we are joined by Aaron Straker. Aaron, always good to have you on the show. Thank you for being back, man. Thank you for guys. Thank you guys for having me. So, uh, kind of something I was thinking about actually last night, and then I made sure I set it up this morning. I have botched, or I should maybe I should say we have botched every single time I have been on this podcast. So the very first time was Jeremiah, you and I recorded in your office and we somehow completely messed up the audio. Yeah, that, it was like <laughs> we had to re-record it. We tried, we re-recorded it, but my computer fan was going bonkers the entire time. And I couldn't figure out how to stop it. Cause we're like live in the middle of a podcast and I'm like, maybe it'll be okay. It was not okay. And I completely ruined the audio. And then the third time was with Natalie, you know, and I, like a couple, like maybe two or three months ago, and someone had placed a rooster in a cage, literally like seven feet outside from where I sit here. And it went, <laughs> it went off the entire time. And it, that was the sole time that anyone has ever placed a rooster, like in the alley where we live outside of, out of the villa. But of course it was that morning that we recorded that podcast. So Today, I was like, I'm busting out the road mic. I am making sure that I control my audio and that we actually have a quality uh, uh, audio for, for everyone who does happen to, to listen to this episode. I, I can't believe that rooster has never happened to you before. Soul time. Well, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's roosters around, but never has it been like, literally, it was like at the gate of where we live, which is seven feet from me right now. Well, regardless, we're always happy to have you back, man. And they are always great episodes, despite the interfering roosters and whatnot. I'm excited to get into this, man. Um, I think by this point, the audience is probably pretty familiar with you. Of course, like if not, we'll link up where to find you and whatnot in the show notes. Um, but let's rather than let's skip the intros and get right into the topics. I'm really excited to chat about what you've been up to. So first of all, I've seen and heard you talk a lot about fat loss camp lately. Can you just explain like what fat loss camp is? It looks cool. And like, I get, I get stoked every time I see it, but I don't really know what it means. So can you kind of like explain to us what fat loss camp is? Jeremiah yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. Fat loss camp. So when I was going through my build earlier this year, um, I, and I knew I, I, when I, I set out my plan for, for this year with my own personal nutrition in, in, in training. And I reached out to my friend, business partner and coach, uh, Jackson Pias and was like, Hey, this is what I'm thinking. You know, this is this plan. Do you want to help me with it? And he was like, of course. Uh, so when we were putting it together, like I am, you know, well aware that I'm, I'm 35 years old. I will be moving into a, a new phase in my life in the coming years where I need to start a family and maybe I'm not here living in Bali anymore. And I cannot dedicate hours and hours per day to, to throwing everything I can at nutrition and training and in pursuit of the best physique of my life. So from that standpoint, also standpoint, like I said, I'm 35, I'll be 36 in a couple months. My youth is, is behind me per se, in terms of uh, athletic pursuits and those sorts of things. Right. And I have this realization that there may not be another time where I can put everything that I have into this. And, and I would say of my past efforts, I have cut corners and, um, you know, made compromises or said, Oh, you know, it's so-and-so's birthday. Like I, it's okay. I can, I can make it work and that sort of thing. But I really wanted to challenge myself to say, okay, Aaron, again, we're 35. We've been doing this for 20 years. Like what will change, if anything, if I give this everything? One last go where I give it everything. 
I'm adherent, you know, seven days, seven days per week for 365 days of a year. Like, what can I actually change or make improvements upon? And that was really the the basis behind Fat Loss Camp um, and treating it like a like a sport program or something like that again. Because again, like I said, I may never get this opportunity again, and it may be like. The times of treating yourself like an athlete are actually way behind us now. I kind of want one last go at it to see what can change and what I can accomplish if I give it everything. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. So I know that you started with Jackson and you guys were really focusing on building and it seems like you took a very similar mindset to that. But again, you've been in fat loss camp as of late. Talk us through like in this fat loss camp what's the end point? What are you trying to accomplish here? Yeah. So the end point will, is my best physique I've ever had. Um, so personally, I'd say up until, you know, previously or previously, my best physique was about two years ago when I was living in Utah, pretty much right before we met in person, Jeremiah, mm-hmm. when, we, when we met. Um, you realize you were way it, smaller after you met me, I think is what's actually happening. That is exactly. That's not actually true. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Um, and then last year, I, last year, I I just didn't really have a good build heading into what was another diet. And then I got to the end of it and I'm like, ah, man, this is worse than last year. And it was kind of, it was that first time where I was like, oh, wow, things are worse than they had been before. And it kind of scared me, you know, I was like, oh, is, was that? the best that I I will ever do, you know, and it's behind me and I don't even realize it sort of thing. And it was a little bit of, of, you know, fears of my age and and some of those sorts of things. But I was like, okay, I'm going to like, you know, put those fears behind me and make sure that I do the due diligence of the off season and, and eating in a surplus and and putting on muscle and reclaiming lost muscle uh, so that I can have a, a very, very honest, like go at it per se. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm excited to see the end results of this, but that's also a nice prelude talking about your prior fat loss phase and feeling like you didn't have the best physique at the end of that, almost like you lost some ground to where you're at now, because we have you now where you're at today. I know you just posted like some side-by-side pictures. I believe they were both at 206 and you're way more jacked now, right? Would, is it safe to say you by far have the best physique you've seen at 206? Correct. Yes, definitely. And that's a pretty, it was a pretty dramatic change for a relatively short period of time, especially for someone who's been training as long as you have. So what happened? <laughs> Just break it down for us. What's, what's pursuit, changed here? Pursuit of optimality. Right. And right. and I would say that's what it is. And it, and what I don't want to do is what I don't want is the information to fall on like the ears of people who like don't need it. Because if you're very, very family driven. If you're very, you know, career driven and training and stuff is just a way for you to, you know, protect your health and and you want to have some some muscle mass and those sorts of things, by no means in in is what I'm going to say, do I think is is necessary. No, do the 80% because the training and those sorts of things is a fourth on your priority list sort of thing. Um but with that that long training history and and like I was pretty I mean don't get me wrong that first picture at 206 that was like that was the peak of my gain and that was the week where I reached out to my coach at the time and I was like I feel kind of sloppy here like I don't know if I want to keep going you know and he agreed um 
But what changed is I started chasing the five percents. You know, the things that people, when you hear on podcasts and in, in Instagram posts, that they say they're not worth it. I, I doubled down on that, and my own kind of personal anecdote and opinions, and obviously those align very closely with with things that Jackson said and stuff. And it's when you start to chase optimality, yes, there are large trade offs to be made. And that's where for many people, it's not worth it. But when you are, when you have like a a very unrealistic goal, let's per se, like those trade-offs and 5% are worth it. And and what changed is I stopped playing, you know, if it fits your macros, I followed a meal plan day in and day out. And, And what that did in the build or surplus is it allowed me to keep a very controlled amount of surplus. So it's not like one day, when we were, you know, worse, when we would proverbially go out, I would have an 800 calorie surplus over, you know, mm-hmm. what I needed. Those days didn't happen. I stayed in that like two to 300 calorie surplus, like every single day for six months straight sort of thing. Um, and when it comes to training, like training intensity went through the roof right up to, you know, pretty much what I could handle. And it stayed there for six months straight. I followed the same exact training program for, I lied, it was seven months straight for seven months straight. And and I think that you, when you have like ruthless consistency at something, you can see very clear data where I was like, okay, when I started, you know, week one of the program, my top set on the hack squat was like, you know, 140 kilos for a, a set of 10, right? Seven months later, after taking that set pretty much right up until failure for seven months straight, that is now 210 kilos for a set of 10. Like that is foolproof progression, right? And and when you're feeding into that environment, when you're taking care of your sleep and the other things like that, like there's no, there's no real, it's unreasonable for you not to, you know, build new muscle with things controlled that well. It really seems like you put yourself in an environment that's very conducive to all of this too, versus where you were before. And correct. Yes. So, so I will say that, and it's, it's not so much that I put myself in an environment. I removed parts of a typical environment, right. Okay. Which is then creating my, my own environment. Like I removed a lot of things from me, right. There was, I mean, don't get me wrong. I have a, I have a wonderful girlfriend and, and Jenny and we'll, we'll go out on, we would have like one date night per week. It would be sushi, right? Which was part of my right. protocol that, that we would have date, you know, some date mornings and stuff. It was always black coffee. Again, very, very easy to control, but I just removed everything else around. Okay. Okay. Natalie, anything you want to interject before we continue here? Yeah, I mean, I want to get into the fat loss side of things as well. But um, apart from, you know, you mentioned, of course, like consistency with nutrition and training, what are some of those other like the 1% that, you know, have added up? I know, like, I've I've seen you put a lot into your recovery as well, like, obviously sleep, but, you know, I think you're doing some sauna, like, what are all of those other little things um, that have added up? Yeah, so definitely like, like intro workout nutrition, especially right in the last like two months, maybe maybe one month of the gain, um, which we can get into a little bit with 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 how fat loss camp actually became to be, 
it wasn't until this time where I was really like had this camp idea and I submitted it once in, in my check-in um, and Jackson had been feeling very kind of close sentiment. Uh, and we decided to like link up and start training together because we really had it. Like we had, we have some existing business and stuff together, but we would really wouldn't see each other very, very frequently, maybe like every other month or something like that. Um, and then we moved some schedule stuff around or like, okay, we can meet up to train at like these times and stuff. So we started doing that. And that was just, I would say that is one of the environment things. Like I, I think I, I push myself pretty hard. Um, kind of just from a, I just want to become the best that I, that I can be, like I said. And I know that in, in terms of the athletic pursuit in parts of my life, that those days may be in the, in the sunset period. Um, and I think when you put more people that have that mindset together, like that is where I would say the, the positive parts of like, what's considered like the toxic male ego come out. Um, where, where it's, it's a very, very like uplifting environment because no one wants to be like the, the low man on the totem pole. Um, just so we're clear that that is me uh, on the totem pole. I am the low man. <laughs> I'm okay <laughs> with that. Um, but you, it, it did bring out like a whole new level, um, that I, I wouldn't have been doing myself. So there's like that part, uh, the sauna came in daily. Um, that was one that I I had read sort of the things around it, but it wasn't until I started actually doing it that I did feel the the improvements, right? And the thing that I would say there is it's heart rate modulated, right? I never sat in a sauna long enough and, and challenged myself. Once I, Peter Atia put put out some of the, the protocol stuff. And I remember looking at that, like, fuck, that's, that's quite challenging. Cause like, I would go in for like eight minutes or something like that. I'm like, okay, it's getting hot. I don't want to be in here anymore. You know, and I would get out. But if you, if you look at what he says is it's like a 20 minute, like the threat, the threshold is four, four sessions per week at 20 minutes at pretty much, I think it's like 80, 80 to 85 degrees Celsius, which is like 170 um, Fahrenheit. It's disgustingly hot. And lo and behold, the, the sauna here at the gym is set right at that threshold. Um, it's 15 minutes is very, very challenging. Very, very seldom do I make that 20 minute threshold, but my heart rate, like my watch gives me heart rate alerts. It's like, Hey, your heart rate's really high. And I look, it's in like the one thirties and I'm literally just fucking sitting there. So it, like, that is one where it, there are different, you know, pathways that, that it acts upon. That's different than me, you know, training in the gym. Obviously you're sweating a, a lot, which is a, a, the third detoxification pathway from our body. Um, and then just the elevated heart rate is obviously conducive for the, the, the fat loss and, and, and the, the, you know, very, very minor additional accrues in, in, in energy expenditure. Uh, and then obviously your elevated body temperature later on sort of thing. Um, and then, you know, the other basics, very, very diligent with my nutrient timing. I take my post-workout to the gym and I have that post-training before sauna sort of thing as the sessions get longer and really just trying to optimize in all these little facets that I can to see, you know, what happens when you do stack up all the one or two percenters. Absolutely. So it sounds like you're extremely structured with the way you've been approaching things. And again, like all those little variables, your recovery, your peri-workout nutrition, things that we could argue just don't make much of a difference as you very clearly shown, like over the course of 
a year or seven months of building at very least, they have clearly made a big difference for you. They, they do, but they don't, they don't matter until they do. Right. So, I mean, I'm sure everyone who's a, who's a listener understands the hierarchy of importance and all sorts right. of things. And it's like, if you're not consistent, it doesn't matter about like your peri-workout nutrition, or if you sit in the sauna or those sorts of things, like you, you need to stack the big rocks. And then once all the big rocks are already stacked and they're stacked seven days a week, like then you start stacking the little ones and then it will make a difference. But it's, again, it's over weeks and months, you know, yeah. not nine days. Yeah. I think that's a very important point to make as well. And again, like where you're at relative to many others. So to bring it back to the fat loss side of things, um, specifically like this fat loss camp kind of seems like almost like a mindset. And really, I know a lot of people kind of struggle with the rigidity required for a successful fat loss phase. Now, I don't know if you would say like everyone needs to be as rigid as it sounds like you have been in this fat loss phase so far to be successful. But as a whole, I'd just like to hear like kind of on the same note, is there kind of like a mindset you personally try to adopt with yourself and or maybe foster with clients to just make the process of fat loss like just more enjoyable mentally, right? I think again, like this idea of fat loss camp is almost like a it's of course we know it's going to be challenging but it's like in a fun way right like we're i don't know like rocky's training camp out in the barn or whatever i think you understand what i'm saying here um does that make sense it does and i mean personally i view this as just a form of of self-development right and and i think for me it's like a challenge you know and, and I'm fortunate I've had enough experiences in, in those sorts of things in my life to where I've had the, the experience of like, you know, you, you make it out of university and you have your, your job and like you finally have enough money to like not be broke and you can go out to eat and do these different things. Like I've lived that part of my life. And after a number of years, I realized I just, I don't really care about it. You know, everyone settles into to, to their own preferences and those sorts of things. Like I don't really value going out to eat and having beers on the weekends and stuff anymore. Don't get me wrong. When I was 26, like that was my fucking jam. And, and for me now, like I really, really value like my character arc as, as a man, as a human and, and what I can become in eventually providing for a family and, and, and all of these other things. Like I value that so much more. Like you tell me, Aaron, would act like if I told you that you had, if you, you know, do this fat loss camp and you, you know, build this adherence, but you can never have like a cheat meal again, but you'll have like, you know, the house you want in the family you want in, in the business, um, safety and those sorts of things. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll in a heartbeat sort of thing. And I think it, it really comes down to your, your values and then the things that you're okay with trade-offs in pursuit of those values. And for me, the personally i know about myself like the the mental kind of growth is so much harder for me than the physical growth but there's challenges that you can put yourself in um in physical challenges that require like mental buy in for example you're pushing like you're doing a widowmaker set on the on the leg press of a set of 20 at a, at a hard weight. And you're at like rep 16 and things are on fire. Like, you know, you can physically continue pushing on, but your, your brain is like, shut it down, shut it down, shut it down, shut it down. So for me is like, I am 
my, you know, progression of, of personal growth, like I get to the mental through the physical, right? And this is just another one of those like challenges for me. And, and I really am the, the big base is like, what, what am I capable of? Right. Finding out what I'm capable of. Cause when I look back on the years I played in sports and, you know, even my time spent in CrossFit and stuff, I don't think I really pushed myself as hard mm-hmm. as I would have hoped I, I did. And again, now knowing that like, you know, when you're 45, Aaron, you're probably not going to be able to train like this anymore because you'll have. 30 years of training under your belt and your joints just might not be able to handle it anymore. Like, I don't want to leave those stones unturned and reach a point in my life and say, I never found out what I was capable of. Um, so that's one part of it. And then uh, again, with, with the, with the, the challenge, it just, it, it paves a path to other things. I'm sure as you guys know, like being, you know, self-employed has a, a lot of challenges in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for me, it's, it's just a, it's a way that I pave the path for the other challenges that I know that I will have to, you know, overcome in my life. And for me, it's a way for me to build momentum to then, you know, have a, have a history, a track history of successes that I can lead on when I have these other challenges that are not as inherently simple for me to kind of climb. Right. Okay. I love that. And I, I love like the vision of what you're working towards. I think that most people that really turn this into something that's sustainable long-term and are continually progressing. They're really much more, I think people like get into like trying to change their physique because it's more so like they want to move away from something that they hate. And I feel like generally that's a lot less productive and that's a lot harder to follow through with than almost being like pulled forward by something that you're excited about, even if again, you know, it's going to be hard. So it's super cool to hear that. And I feel like that's a common trend I've seen in a lot of successful clients is it almost becomes more about, the personal development in a way and like the person you want to become and like the way you push yourself than it is even like you haven't once said like i just want massive pecs or anything of the sort right it's all about kind of the person that you want to be and i think the physical side of things is just a great side product of all that yeah there there's this the the physical is is a side product of it and, and one thing i would say now this is a tactic i'll use with certain clients, right? Especially clients who are like self-employed in those sorts of things, because I know that they have a lot of those same challenges. And there's like a client that, that comes to mind who's, I mean, wildly successful, right? Is like sold multiple businesses and, and that sort of thing. But he would, there'd be situations where he would be like, I don't want to say like a, a victim to, but he would like crumble under, he'd be like, ah, well, these friends are coming into town and they make me drink with them. And I'm like, dude, you're like 39 years old. If you don't want to drink, just say, Hey, I'm not fucking drinking. I'm 39 year old man. I don't want to drink because I have these goals, you know? And, and when I would challenge him in that way, because it wasn't like, it's not, it's not the alcohol is what it is. Like, yes, going out and having a bender weekend when we're in fat loss and then we're already not making like having a great rate of progression as it is, like it throws a wrench in things, but it's like, it's a deeper challenge to, to like the ethos of, of, making a decision that you want to make as an individual and not being like swayed by the crowd and that sort of thing. So a lot of these things in, in when it comes to coaching with clients and stuff, like it's 
it's positive mental manipulation, right? And, and I'm sure that, you know, both of you guys know when, when you get into coaching and stuff, you learn about all these like fancy details and like intra workout carbohydrate and like fuel utilization rates and anaerobic threshold and all that stuff. Very rarely do you ever get to actually use that. It's, yeah. you know, psychological stuff and speaking to people and like positive motivation and, and that sort of thing. And, and that's one where, I found, I think that the, at least in the world that, that I get from social media and, and those sorts of things, the tides tend to be shifting a little bit more where people are seeking more like challenges in those sorts of things. And, and I think that's probably because so much of our, you know, immediately available serotonin or dopamine hits and those sorts of things of social media and amazon.com and stuff have kind of run its course on a lot of people and, and things become less enjoyable and, and the pursuit of things start to start to become more uh not necessarily enjoyable but but they, they look more appealing because we've kind of overdosed per se on the immediate rapid hits of things and, and people are starting to feel the 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 negative detriments in, in life from years and years of that. Absolutely. Oh, I love it man. Natalie you have something to add? Yeah, I think it's important to note that, um, you know, 26 year old you probably, you know, wouldn't have been capable of what current you is doing right now, you know, and like you, you now are approaching, you know, your last build and fat loss camp with a mentality and boundaries and confidence in those boundaries, you know, and a very strong sense of self in terms of, you know, like, I no longer thrill at like the weekend vendors or like going out to eat doesn't really do it for me anymore. Um, and I think that's just an important note for, for people that, you know, that is, that is something that can be learned, practiced and cultivated. But if it's not already in place, then chasing these like 1%, you know, are, are kind of, you're not there yet. Um, and it's not to say you can't get there, but I just think it's, you know, like, 26 year old you wouldn't wouldn't be doing this you are you are completely correct and and I think that is the the beauty of being a little bit older is is I have I've just had the time in life to spend opportunities on both sides of the fence right and and this is a really really good point that I'll hopefully cover quickly something that would always kind of bother me is people on social media who who would and, and they're typically people in like social in like the the fitness industry and stuff. Um, James Smith is one that he's he's like a, a very big account from like uh, the the UK, I believe. He'll be one that would say like he's very like balanced and like ah, oh, you think you want abs, but your life's not better with abs. Like go have drinks with the boys and those sorts of things. And as someone who spent time on both sides of that fence, like the very balanced life where. You're still drinking and hanging out with friends a lot more and going out to eat. And then on like a very more rigid life on that I live now, like I prefer my life now, but it took me having experience and spending time on both sides to be able to evaluate well. And, and that's something that I, that I will always push back on when people are like, oh, you're, you're lean enough. Like, don't keep going. You have to, you can't have drinks and stuff. I'm like, that may be true but find out for yourself, right? Because me telling you, no, you want to be shredded and those sorts of things. And then someone else saying like, no, it's not worth it. Like you need to find out for yourself because I think back, like if I 
had never moved away from everyone I knew and set up shop on the other side of the world and those sorts of things. Like I never would have found what Aaron Straker does in a brand new white environment without all my previous, you know, influences and those sorts of things. And I love the times that I spent with friends drinking and, you know, taking training less seriously and those sorts of things. But I love my life so much more now because I'm so much more confident with myself, the things that I value, the things that I don't value, right? And and it, it just takes time spending time on both sides of the fence to discover what is most valuable for you as an individual. That's really interesting. You never hear people say that, like, I like my life better like this because you're right. So many people do like preach like balance and like, it's okay. You won't be happier if you have abs. And I don't think like, I'm not saying I think you will be happier if you have abs, but it's interesting how like, it's so like socially accepted to say like, go one way, but not the other. I don't, I don't know. That's a, that's a very interesting thought. Um, to kind of touch on that idea of balance a bit, it sounds like you've been following a meal plan for basically like a year, right? January 1st. All right. So we're getting what we're good almost 10 months in now. So with clients, I know like for a long time, meal plans were kind of shit on. I don't think that's really as much the case anymore, but talk us through like how you like to approach that with clients. Do you typically use meal plans, macros? What's your preferred approach there? So I will take an individualized approach and I will kind of let the client decide a little bit. So like in my inquiry, or am I asked, I'm like, are you looking for a meal plan based approach or, you know, a macronutrient based approach or, you know, I'm not sure yet. Let's talk about it and, and kind of find out. I agree with you. Um, I, when I first got into the space, I very much shit on meal plans and was like, Hey, it's, it's not sustainable long-term. You don't learn how to, how to, you know, um, steer the ship on your own, these sorts of things. However, success rates weren't great, you know, and, and I had, I had a very honest, like, look at myself and my business at the end of 2000, 2021, right? So almost two years ago, I added up all my clients through the course of the year. And I was like, regardless of the feedback that they gave me from my own perspective, I was like, where, which one are my wins? Which one are my losses, right? Where, what's my rate of success here? I was not satisfied with my, what I considered my rate of success. Mm-hmm. And that really like bothered me. Cause I, I know like, let's, I mean, let's be honest, the rate success rates in this industry are fucking abysmal, right. On average. Right. And I, I just said like, that's not how I'm going to run my business. And I had a very successful, you know, uh, um, monetary year in 2021. And in 2022, I moved away from what brought me the monetary success to, to build it in a way that I want results success you know mm-hmm. and i know if i double down on that eventually the money will come all you know right back sort of thing um so i did that and in in effort of that i realized there's clients like let's let's call them on a on a let's call like your your i don't hate to call them like let's call like a an education tier right so the 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 least educated tiers typically going to be people with the, the most weight to lose that sort of thing, because they're just very green, right? Let, let's use that like a green, you're they're, they're newest at this. For those people, like we don't really need a meal plan because our, our margins for success are really, really big. We need to right. stop the self-sabotage. If we stop self-sabotaging, we start winning. It, it's really that, at least in the beginning, right? 
It's that easy. We don't really need a meal plan. Moving into the mid-tier, let's say we have knowledge, we understand, you know, there's no inherent self-sabotage sort of thing. And we're maybe, let's say like 20% 20 body fat for a male, let's say about about 28, 30% for a female. And we just want to get into somewhere where we just want a little bit of the extra fat off. So we feel more confident at the beach with our, you know, wife, kids, husband sort of thing. Those people, I think that's where like, okay, I'll be like, hey, we can use some macros, but this, I want it in this kind of framework. And I'll give them like an example meal plan sort of thing. Like as long as we're operating within this framework, I think we should be good, but we're going to see how our results look. Like everything needs to be dictated by results. And then you have like your, your most educated clients, right? Who, who have the most experience and that sort of thing. Their margins for success are all typically also the smallest because let's say someone comes, you know, they're like, Hey, Jeremiah, I'm, I'm 13% body fat as a male, right? Add, you know, eight to 10% of that for a female. I want to drop like another 3% and get like, I want ab veins sort of thing. We, our margins for success are not large. We need a very tight fucking ship to, to operate within that. We're probably going to take a meal plan approach and I'll give them like specific swaps. Hey, three times per week. The instead of the steak for dinner, I want I want salmon with avocado or, or something like that to to keep fats a little bit higher for for those days. But I will give them a much less rope to operate with on with because our margins for success are just simply much smaller. So I think it, it needs to come back to the the, the individual, the client, um, the rate of progress, the ambition of the goal, and, and I, I typically will be less conservative and give people the benefit of the doubt. And if within operating within the the existing framework that we have, our our rate of progress or result is not where it needs to be, I will give them less rope and I will start to make more decisions for us, uh, at least to get us back into where that rate of progress is acceptable again. Natalie, anything else you want to add there? Cool. Let's get into the training side of things a bit then. Um, can you give us a high-level overview of what a training week looks like for you currently? Yeah. So on a non-calendar week um, training, which is, I will say I, I don't like it as much in the okay. sole reason is planning, right? And yeah. especially as I'm sure you guys know, um, when with using like Calendly and booking out your calendar for client consults and stuff like that, like I need to be very ahead of time to be like, okay, this week training is, you know, is Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. And I'm like pre-blocking out my calendar, but it changes every week. So it's just not right. as simple. Um, typically four days per week, um, sometimes, th- or yeah, typically four days per week, I guess sometimes five based on the, the training ca- calendar. It, it's basically um, push, pull, and then there will be a rest day on either side of leg day, which has come to be very, very nice. And then in the second part of the rotation, there is an arm day in between the push and the pull. So uh, essentially it's like a 12 or 13 day rotation. Um, and then on the non-training days, there's cardio sessions in the morning. Okay. Okay. Very interesting. So talk us through, because again, I know you mentioned this has been a big part of your physique change as well. What are the biggest things you're doing differently in your training versus what you were doing the prior few years? Honestly, everything is to failure. If I'm, if I'm being completely honest, Okay, 
everything is to failure. Many things are, are past failure. Um, and, and with that, when we have a training partner, like when Jackson and I are training together, or we recently had this awesome, um, maybe like six week period where, uh, some friends who were in town from Australia, who were in their later, uh, season of, of contest prep were all here. So there'd be like three or four of us training together, which were really, really cool. And it would just be like, you get one or two assisted reps too, really. So like, let's say something like a, a pull down, right. Where you're failing in that short position, they're helping you through like the final three reps in, in that short position. So you can really milk like every effort out of every set. Um, and yeah, I would say that's what it is. Like not many intensity techniques. There might be like two exercises per day that have like a rest pause set or something like that added. Mm -hmm. Um, but everything is pretty much up until failure with, you know, I guess assisted partials past failure. Yeah. It's, it's been cool to see your results. I remember talking, I think it was before you started this whole process with Jackson, but I remember talking to you about this and you just were like, man, I feel like everyone talking about like training with two RIR, three RIR, like I just don't think that's actually the best way to approach it. And it sounds like very much like lean into that. And so you're like every, every training week, unless we're deloading, it's basically, we're going all out on every set. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I literally, yeah. And, and I, it was something that I, I wouldn't say it this, this year, maybe a little bit at the end of last year. Like I, I didn't feel very confident mm -hmm. in, I don't want to say like speaking out against people because that's not necessarily my intention, but I don't, I've always pretty much trained to failure, you know, especially like not legs and stuff. Like I haven't, I've only recently, you know, crossed the, 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 the path into becoming like a psycho training to like getting pinned on the hack squat and stuff right. like happens regularly now, yeah. as much as I would hope it, it would, would hope that it doesn't. Um, but like upper body stuff, I'd pretty much always train to failure. You know, okay. I, I would, I would, I, I dabbled in trying some of it, but I would be like, I just, there was something inherently in me to be like, why would I stop? Why would I try less hard at something that I know I can do more? Um, and, and I think it, again, like so many things, it needs to come back to being very individual. I'm someone that my biology physiology seems to be quite resilient, right? I'll train to failure and, and feel perfectly pretty much fine. Yeah, I'm tired in that sort of thing, but like I'll, you know, I stay hydrated. I'm my post-workout, like I'm good. Other people will be like crushed. Like they can't think it that at work then later. And like, they're centrally like fried from that. That just right. doesn't happen with me, right. you know? And, and I've, and again, with, and, and I just, I didn't want to say anything because there was like, you know, Eric Helms and all these people are like, you don't need to train to failure. And I'm in my head, I'm like, ah, no, these guys are, a lot fucking smarter than I am. Like, who am I to say that I think they're wrong? I don't, I don't want to be that person. Cause there's a lot of those people, right? You see like, like someone like Alberto Munez will like put something on Instagram and by using Alberto, I mean, someone highly educated, very, very successful, right. like very, very well-respected. And then in the comment section, there'll be like some fucking dude who doesn't even have a picture of himself in his, in his profile. Of course, it's a private profile. And he's like, no, you're wrong. Fuck off. <laughs> and I was like, I don't want to be one of those people, right? Because these people are obnoxious. But I just know in myself, like when I'm given the opportunity, I'm training to failure, you know? And I've, 
more people have kind of resonated and that has made me, I guess, feel more safe per se to, to come out and, and say like, that's, that's how I personally have tr- do train myself. But this year I've, I've really doubled down on it and pretty much everything is to failure. Yeah, that's interesting. We've kind of shifted closer to that direction with a lot of clients as well, where just see this, even from the mental perspective, like we're talking about training to failure here, but as I'm sure you've seen, very few people actually have the skill of training to failure, like when they start the coaching process. But especially if someone sees like, I have four sets of that leg press, it is very unlikely that any of those sets are going to be pushed extremely hard. Whereas if it's like, we have two sets here, for example, or one set, this is again, like uh, just so much more conducive to like, oh, wow, well, I better get the most out of this, right? So I know that's been a very positive shift for us as well. I'm interested to hear how this is manifested in the way you program for others. Has that changed? I guess I know that you've been writing programs for a long time, but I know that like adding the program inside of things for your clients is more recent, but how has this kind of impacted yeah. the way you program? It, it has in that people who want to be challenged, I will challenge them. You know, um, if I have the the 37 year old mother of three who gets a little bit of time to to go to the gym for herself three times per week, like, no, we're not training to failure, right? Right? That poor lady is under enough stress as it is. We just want to go in and move and build some strength for, you know, longevity and, and health kind of thing. But for a lot of a lot of my clients who who, who do want to be challenged, or they come in with specific physique goals. I'm like, we're going to challenge ourselves. Let's find mm-hmm. what what the limit is and where you've been kind of cheating yourself per se, and let's find it. Like I, I recently had a a client start um, an older woman, uh, 45, but um, amazing physique. Like when I she was kind of like. I wouldn't say talking herself up, but she's like, I'm pretty lean, you know, in our consult. I'm like, okay, okay. Everyone says they're pretty lean and then they're, you know, 20% body fat. And then she sent her first week's check-in photos and I was like, oh fuck. Okay. She was not lying. Like we have a great physique, (laughs) Um, but she's doing like a ton, a ton, a ton of volume. And I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, let's try and walk some things back. We'll get a little bit more intelligent with programming and we'll like push things closer to failure and stuff. And it's, she's, it's, it's worked wonderfully. Um, she's responded really well and realized that we don't need all of this volume and that sort of thing. Like when typically volume and effort uh, can can work in like kind of a, a sliding scale, right? The more volume, right. the less relative intensity, the more relative intensity, typically the less volume, because it really just, like you said, Jeremiah, if I'm like, okay, you know, here we go. You have four sets on the leg press, take every single one to failure. Like that's just, that's, it's soul sucking, you know? And, and I know myself, even just like a couple of years ago, when I think back to when I had that best physique, like I would have like four sets on the leg press. They were not mm-hmm. all to failure because if I know I have to do a fourth one, I'm going to sandbag at the very least the first one to two, because I know I have two more I still need to do. But when I'm, Hey, we get, we get a top set, we get a back off or, Hey, we get one Widowmaker set of 20 on the leg press, make that fucking count. People can generally dig deep enough and really push themselves because they know I only have to do it once, right? And I am in in the kind of thought currently, this may change at some point in the future, and I'll gladly eat my words, that if you have one very, very, very stimulative set where you're challenging yourself pretty much as hard as you possibly can, and it's a larger compound movement like a leg press or something like that, you're going to get a lot of stimulus out of it, and we probably don't need three more sets out of three RIR on it. 
I couldn't agree more. I think of one client specifically where we were very recently we were struggling with split squats to progress them. And every week was like, Hey, you got more here. You got more here. And she's like, Hey, can we just increase volume? So I can like, I think I need more volume to be able to progress this. And I was like, actually, we're going to go the opposite. I'm going to pull this back to two sets. I want you to like, again, challenge yourself more here. And it's like, that's been the thing where, okay, suddenly the needle's moving a lot more. Um, anything else that really stands out to you on the training front that you have changed your mind on in the last year? Do you think Splits. you would speak out? Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, do you think um, in your next chapter of life, you know, whether that be in Bali or elsewhere, you would seek out a, uh, you know, some training comrades like you have there? I mean, seeing as how it's just opened up such a new world for you. Yeah, I, I'm in. I. It's it's unrivaled. It really, really is. You know, even like the 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 spots, right? If I'm, it's hard. It's hard to to push yourself to to pin yourself on the hack squat, right? Because it, it, you have to get past the fear of the this thing is fucking crushing me. I cannot get it off me. Am I going to be okay? Right. The like the first times that happened, like you panic, right? You're grabbing yeah. things, you're seeing if you can rack it, and those sorts of things. Like that, there is not only are you like your heart rate's elevated, your legs are all fatigued, all these things, like you have this inherent, you know, human inherent danger that's encompassing you as well. And when your legs are shaking and you're like, I think that's one, one RIR, I might have another one. Like it's, you have to have a lot of confidence in yourself or there's just reckless, you know, ne negligence to go again, thinking that you don't have it in you. When you have the spotter there, like it removes all of that because someone's just like, when, when you do fail, they're just going to help you get it up. Right. And then with our, you know, with like Jackson or whatever, he's going to be like, we have two more, <laughs> you know, and then he will basically give me enough assistance once I'm at failure. So, so that we, we don't get pinned. Um, you, it's, it's so much harder by yourself with that first scenario I just described, but also you don't have that. You don't have the eyes on you, right? If if you're if you're doing something and it's really really challenging, and that voice in the back of your mind is like, "Quit, put it down, put it down. This is good enough. Quit." It's much easier to listen to that voice, but when there's three other people watching you that are in this with you, like that voice doesn't, you know, it it doesn't grow in in how loud it is. It gets smaller, you know, and, and that's just like one of those things. Like I said, that's like a positive peer pressure. I, I am hard pressed to to really believe that you can have as productive of training alone as you can with others, given that the the group or the other individual is of a, of an equal mindset. I couldn't agree more. I love our team training sessions together. Adelaide, I wish you lived here so we could train together all the time. Um, so as far as your training volume goes, since you guys have entered at fat loss camp, has that reduced at all? Or are you basically doing the same amount as before? Same amount. It, it's, this has really been a, I'm, I've approached this as a period of, of self-discovery and mm -hmm. challenging what I previously thought and knew to be true. Right. right. Um, and that's something where uh, like we, we we were kind of talking off air on the podcast. I I flew too close to the sun, 
and and I have had a, a very heavy deload week. I haven't been to the gym since Monday. It's it's Friday morning now. I will go today. And I had, you know, three, two very high refeed days. Um, my motivation to train had completely gone out the door. I didn't want to go at all. And I was just like kind of spent. That being said, I there was 10 weeks in a, in a calorie deficit of consistent progress, like week over week with zero actual days off on the, on the non-training days I get up, there was, there's cardio in the mornings. Um, that was 10 weeks straight of that, you know, coupled with the, the six or eight before where I was still, my food was still going up, but like I, I did, we didn't change anything except food, right? Food was the only change right. training intensity, everything remained the same. And I was able to essentially hold on for 10 weeks, you know, with, with no negative consequence. Um, the the hard part there, and and I was actually Brian and I were just talking about this. Um, it can be a fine line to know, like, do I need a deload, or is my mind just getting dull? Do I need the sharper mind, or is my body telling me things like, Aaron, we're fucking tired, we're, we're beat up, you know? Because like after twenty years of training, like I'm always going to have these little like joint pains and things that kind of float in and out, like. I'll get a little bit of the golfer's elbow and tennis elbow sometimes and it comes and goes and and it's hard to tell like do I do I need some time away or am I just lazy today right I'm, I'm training by myself today is 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 my mind getting the best of me and what I have found personally for myself and again this only I've only discovered this from spending time on both ends when I have a very little to no desire to train and when I am training I really don't want to fucking be there that's pretty telling for me. That is right. the tell because I've had periods where, you know, in the game, I'm still setting PRs every week. Right. And I'm like, fuck, man, I kind of don't want to be here. And then I go hit a new PR on my RDL, you know, for right. 150 kilos for like eight. And I'm like, holy shit, dude. I'm, you know, 16 weeks in, I haven't had a deload in, in months. I'm, I'm tired and I'm still hitting PRs. Like my body's obviously still capable. But, but then I would find like, I can push very, very close. And then like overnight it's, I'm miserable and I don't want to go and all these things. And that's when I need to pull back. Okay. So it sounds like you guys haven't modulated training intensity or volume much. You just kept pushing hard. Now in your program of clients, like transitioning from a building phase to fat loss, would you take a pretty similar approach there? Do you tend to be more conservative in fat loss phases? What's that like for you? I'll, t I'll take, I'll take the exact same. Like I'm going to give people the benefit of the doubt. Right. Yeah. There's people who can handle it for a very, very long time. And then there's others, others who can't. And, mm -hmm. and I would rather us kind of push the needle a little bit. And then I'm very like, what I'd say is, as I'm, I, I'm, I would say I'm more reactive as opposed to proactive with this, but yeah. I'll, I'll ask them in, in my, in my questionnaire and stuff like that. I'm like, what, like, where's your mindset at? What's your enjoyment? These sorts of things. And then I'll modulate that as opposed to, like, okay, we're in a deficit now. Let's reduce volume by 20%. Yeah. Um, because it's it's I think that's something, again, just my opinion. Not everyone shares this. Sometimes people are a little bit too proactive, and then it leads to people kind of creating stories like, okay, we're in like week three of a deficit, we're down one percent of total body mass, right? So we're not even like out of the gate very good. And they're like, I'm feeling really fatigued. I need a refeed. Like, yeah. 
we're down eight tenths of a pound and our yeah. calories are down like 250 per day. You're perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like you're more than perfectly fine. Uh, so I think it, it's something, it's a mental thing, right? Cause from a lot of, you know, information and stuff put out there, people are like, I'm in a calorie deficit now, right? My stress is going to go through the roof. All these bad things are going to happen. Like I need to wrap myself in bubble. And I'm like, maybe at like week 16, we're at week three, right? You're you're okay, right? And our, like I said, our deficit is not very large. We haven't, we don't even have a good response to it yet. You're fine, right? All I need you to do is cut your rice in half on one meal. That's it. <laughs> you're yeah. perfectly fine. I've seen the same thing though. And I think that's like, I've really stopped like at the start of a fat loss phase trying to allude to, or even like within training, like alluding to deloads or alluding to like, there may be a point when we need refeeds and like waiting until we actually see the need for that. Because I do think that starts to kind of create like, do I need a refeed? Do I feel like shit? Do I need a deload? Right. And again, I think more, even like similar to what you see, what you've seen here, it seems like so much of the theme of this is you've just realized like you can handle pushing so much harder than you thought you could. And you were already someone who was doing so much, but I think just in general, like, and that's like the dope thing about what we do, just helping people realize how much more they can actually do and how much more they're capable of. But again, as you said, I think it's so easy to create that like kind of almost nocebo yourself into feeling like those things are needed well before they actually are. Yeah, nocebo, such a such a good term to use. Yeah. And it's it's I mean, you see it, right? And, and that's where I was. I, I just want to, I don't want to do that with clients, right? And, yeah. and just to, to reiterate to them, like your your body's really resilient, you know, it, it's it's capable. Don't take your body out of the game early with your mind. Right. Because you heard that in a calorie deficit, you know, you're under more stress and those sorts of things, which I'm not going to lie that they are, they are true. They take time to accumulate. Right. It's not going to happen in two weeks when we're down, not even a full pound sort of thing. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's such an important thing for people to understand. Man, this has been a great conversation. It was super cool to dig into what you've been up to. I know we're right at about an hour here and I want to be respectful of your time. I know you're kind of just getting your morning started there, if I believe. But before we let you go here, dude, will you let everyone know where they can find you and anything at all you have going on that you'd like to plug? Yeah. So you can find me uh, on Instagram is where I'm most active. Uh, that is Aaron underscore Straker. I have a website for coaching and, and those sorts of things. That is strakernutritionco.com. Uh, and then when do you think this will come out, Jeremiah? It will probably come out not this Monday, but the next Monday whatever day that okay, is. Okay. So ninth. Okay. So actually, depending on, on when it does, uh, I have a project with my coach, business partner, uh, et cetera, Jackson Pias. It's called the online coaching upgrade. Um, and what we put together essentially is, is it is, it fills a gap between people who want to get into the online coaching space, who have a certification or two. And then, uh, before all those predatory make $10,000 per month, sort of bullshit, uh, coaching kind of things fills the gap in there to, to become a, and operate as a professional coach. We will be in our final class of this year and that starts on October 9th. So if you're listening to this and it's like October 9th or October 10th, you can have a look. We'll probably be sold out by that time, but um, potentially there's a spot or something like that for someone uh, if they are interested. Incredible. And that is called the online coaching upgrade. And you can find it on Instagram as well or uh, at the website. Absolutely. I will link all that up in the show notes. And again, like no 
just two incredible coaches between you and Jackson. We learned from um, just have done so much for the industry and people we really respect. But again, man, we appreciate you for coming on and we always appreciate the time. Appreciate you guys for having me and the excellent conversation as always. Hopefully the audio quality is nice from my end. You know, this time, dude.